we're back with The Coming Thing, and I, it's been a long time, sorry about that. But basically, again, we do the show, we need something on the quick to fill in. Uh, I neglected to bring the files I recorded with Mr. Fix-It for one of our other podcasts back home with me. It's still on his computer, and I, I don't know if I want to deal with the headache of trying to manipulate that over the internets. So uh, we're going to go ahead and drop this in for this week, uh, and then hopefully next week we can get another spawnometer out, because that one's also due. Not nearly as due as this one, but also do. Uh, the episode we're going to cover this week is No Man's Land, directed by Kim Manners, written by Tom Chehek. This was originally air dated September 10th, 1993. So this is the third episode that was aired. It wasn't the third episode in the continuity, the, the, the writing of the episodes, the filming of the episodes, but we're going through the show by order of air date since I think the, both of us watched the show roughly on first run. But it is a little weird because there's an episode that was actually filmed to be the second that got pushed all the way back to the fifth, and so I'm, I'm trying to be wary that we, at some point we're going to have to circle around to that and see if it fits all that well. Episode 3, No Man's Land. Uh, it starts off with Briscoe County entering a city that's on fire. Um, he talks to one of the folks who are rescuing people from a burning building and asks them, hey, who did this? And he basically describes three shabby-looking dudes that Briscoe identifies as the Swill Gang, Bill, Phil, and Will. And he's been going town to town, basically chasing these dudes through these burning cities. Uh, and then right before one of the buildings explodes, Briscoe rides through and scoops the kid up on a horse in a cool little stunt trick. Um, yeah, she was off trying to find her dolly, and dad was like, the dad was spending his time telling Briscoe what was going on, and he's like, wait, where's my kid? And Briscoe stops him and, and hops on his horse and rides in to scoop up the girl. And I liked how she's like, afterwards, I need to go to the bathroom. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, we go to uh, Socrates' office, and he calls in Lord Bowler, which is a change of pace. He figured he'd be going after Briscoe, and this is the same question Bowler has for him. Uh, and he said, basically, they're trying to um, track down this weapon that he can't tell any about and he'll give him two thousand dollars to track it down but he can't tell anybody and, and bowler basically retorts with well you can give me two thousand dollars to find it but it's going to cost three thousand for me not to talk about it so they negotiate three thousand dollars then he shows him the plans and it's obviously familiar to us it's a tank lord bowler is looking at it upside down and doesn't know what he's looking at because there are no tanks folks so he says no problem i'll go get it for, for three grand they call it a mobile battle wagon briscoe catches the swill brothers uh, they had to stop because one of them had intestinal discomfort he had to, to pull off the road to take a pit stop yeah one well, of his brothers one of his brothers kicked, cooked roadkill he wasn't even able to identify what the creature was and apparently it didn't sit well with him yeah he's like that was rabbit right and he's like oh, i couldn't tell it was so mangled up or whatever so home dude uh, and then he, of course he, the guy asks for a catalog that he can read while he's uh doing his business because it's going to take a while uh so there it, it's a pretty cool shot because he's looking through like a periscope and he's kind of looking around for you know to make sure I, I, they're waiting for another brother right and as, as or well, we as, don't know that gill right yeah, we don't know that time, though. I could have sworn they mentioned Gil. Maybe they did, but I, I, I yeah. thought they – yeah, maybe so. So he's looking around with a periscope, and as he's sort of circling the perimeter, suddenly it's Briscoe's face right in front of him, and he uh, you know, pulls a gun on him, tells him to get out of the thing. So while he's holding the, the Swill brothers hostage or at gunpoint, he's surprised by Gil, the brother they were waiting on, who's played by Judson Scott – who I only knew from the Wrath of Khan. And apparently, according to IMDb, he wasn't even credited for this role. But as soon as I saw him, I'm like, that's the dude from Wrath of Khan. I didn't uh, know who he was. I just knew that he was a, a more handsome looking guy than any of the other brothers. And I could just, I, I'd have sworn that he'd been in soap operas. And sure enough, he was uh, in General Hospital uh, back in the mid 80s. So, uh, but yeah, he, I, I didn't recognize him from Wrath of Khan. But once I saw it on the IMDb page, I, I was like, oh yeah, okay, that's, yeah. He was actually, this dude, I know I've must have seen him and stuff, even though I didn't really 
recognize him because he did like all the 80 shows I watched as a kid. He did a Voyagers. He did a TJ Hooker. He did a Matt Houston, Dukes of Hazard. He was on the VTV series, which is the thing I should have known him best for, except that I bailed on the TV series pretty quickly. I only really liked the miniseries. He did A-Team. He's on the Colbys. Uh, shout out to you, Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, maybe that's how he got on the show in the first place is this show has two uh, Next Generation alumni, which we'll get to later on. But yeah, that, yep. that dude got around. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't even like in Charmed or something like that. He was in a bunch yeah, of... And, or, yeah, and there's another connection is Billy Drago was in Charmed and then he turns up in Charmed as well as Necron. Yeah. So I assume that must be another one of those uh, demons that they fought, which is also the role Billy Drago would have played. So I, I, I'm oh, with you. Like I, I saw all the stuff he was in. I'm like, I, sh- I should know all of this stuff, but the, I don't ever who, recognize this dude. But I saw the still of him in Rathacon. Who is Palantine in Blade? I don't remember that character. Yeah, I don't either. I saw him when I was in Blade. I'm like, oh, he's in Blade. I'm like, I don't know who this is. He must have been like one of the old dudes standing around, right? Maybe. Or, or you know, I Maybe. mean, they had some of the Euro Trash vampire guys. He's got good bone structure, so it might have been. Right, one. exactly. Well, the other brothers, you've got Dennis Forrest and Jeremy Roberts. And in the case of Dennis Forrest, he has very unique features, kind of the bug eyes, the long hair and everything. So I assumed he must have been the heavy in some action movie I saw back in the day. But really, I didn't see much of anything else that he'd been in. But as it happens, both Dennis Forrest and Jeremy Roberts, number one, IMDb, known for our roles from the Jim Carrey movie The Mask from 1994. So maybe that's the other thing I knew these dudes from. Mm-hmm. And of course, the, the the older brother, the wackier brother, the roadkill cooking brothers, Tracy Walter. This guy we all know. That's Bob the Goon. Yeah, that dude was very familiar to me. Did you have a Bob the Goon when you were a kid? Mm, what? Oh, I don't know what that means. Okay. When the Batman movie came out, they of course had action figures and they were basically the same model as superpowers. They were similarly sculpted and everything. And, uh, you know, 89, all the kids had all the action figures. Of course, you had to have a Batman. You had to have a Joker. And then there was also Bob the Goon. And he's the dude, you know, he's the unshaven guy with the long hair who runs around in the, the standard Joker uniform that they had with the, the jackets. Um, and he yep. had a, a hat. And, he, of course, he's a balding guy. And so he's just this goon. And everybody's like, who the heck would want a Bob the Goon action figure of all the things? But my brother had one. And that was actually like my favorite one of those figures because I, I didn't really care about having action adventures with Batman and the Joker necessarily. Although I got a lot of action with the Joker just being a bad guy. But you could do whatever you wanted with Bob the Goon. And so one of my characters that that I played uh, for years and years was a, was based on Bob the Goon. He was the dude. He takes his gun. And he kills, right? Yeah. He, the, he, the, the, the Joker they, just shoots him because he was, you know, and he's like uh, to make himself feel better or whatever. Yeah, he basically kept – I think he was screwing up a few times. He was like the main guy who was Joker's henchman uh, in the Batman movie. And then finally the Joker asks to borrow his gun and shoots him with his own gun. Bob, remember, you are my number one guy. That's that Bob, right? Yeah, yeah, no. maybe, but that Batman was Jack Palance you were doing. But I thought that was uh, I because th- I think I think the Jack who Jack Nicholson was playing, who became the Joker, I think he was the number one guy. I don't think Bob was his number one guy. He might have been Bob, might have been Joker's number one guy, but he would have been whoever Jack Palance was playing. No, I thought he did it to him later. Oh, maybe, maybe so. Maybe maybe he was doing an impersonation or something. It's been a that's long what time it was. Seen... No, no, no. He was doing it ironically because he had that said to him. Ah, uh, okay. I, I, you know what? It's this would be a really good year for us to rewatch the Batman movie. We haven't gotten around to any of our like review movies that we were going to do this year. And that's one of them we ought to get around to. It is the 30th anniversary. Yeah, sounds good to me. Let's do it. Anyway, we continue on. He was in the, who's yeah. he calling the Destroyer too. If, if Mr. Fixit was involved in the show at all, he'd, he'd be all over that. When he's surprised by Gil, he tumbles down a mountain and they're all just firing guns at him as he tumbles down the side of a mountain, lands on some railroad tracks and he's knocked out cold. And as he kind of starts to come to a little bit, he sees um, a rail car coming 
towards him, and as it comes into focus, it's uh, the rocket car from the pilot, uh, driven by uh, the Adam Professor Rickwire. Yeah, John Aston. Doctor Rickwire. Yeah, John Aston. Uh, who uh, did? Did you just tweet this out? Like when we I got online, how did yeah. I see this? That I was like, is this my the internet listening to me, um, or well, knowing see, what I'm watching? I, I didn't know what our hashtag was for this show, and it had been so long since we'd done an episode that I, I was trying to dig up the social media stuff, and so in trying to find it, I stumbled upon this acknowledgement from uh, Briscoe County himself, Bruce Campbell, of, of the great work of John Aston in the role of Professor Wickwire. And given that Billy Drago has passed away since we lasted an episode, I was like, oh yeah, and let's not forget about the late John Aston, not realizing John Aston's still alive. I thought John Aston died years ago. I don't know, maybe I was confusing him with the character he played in Night Court. He played Harry's dad. That's probably my favorite role of his. And uh, I'm feeling much better now. Um, and I think that the character died at some point over the course of the Night Court series and I think in my brain I just conflated the actor with the character but John Aston is 89 years old he's still very much alive shout out John Aston uh, keep keep uh, keep on keeping on there buddy uh, he'll be celebrating his 90th birthday next year so uh, keep an eye out for March the 30th 2020 I'm, I'm glad you fully researched that and didn't just drop in the podcast uh, that he passed away too um, yeah, yeah you didn't call him like the late great John Aston that would have been uh, embarrassing um, where is John Aston though I have not seen him in anything in ages i guess he must have retired bro he's 89 give him a can he not rest goodness <laughs> gracious not the world enough yeah i mean maybe he's waiting for adam's family nine to get made i don't know um adam's family the next generation he he worked last year really i mean he here's the thing he didn't do anything after the year 2006 but he apparently came out of retirement just last year to voice uncle dudley which i assume is a re- relation to captain marvel for just league action the cartoon whoa so yeah he can do some voice acting that's that's cool so he's almost uh, hit by the rocket. He gets stopped in time. He rolls or no, he, he rolls off the tracks just in time. As it Eventually, stops a bit Com- Comet was trying to help him roll over, too. That was one of the least suspenseful, most overly drawn out rolls uh, in, in cinematic history, though. I, it was yeah. driving me nuts. Like, dude, roll, don't roll. Just do what you're going to do. It, it, they spent like five minutes on this thing. Yeah. yeah. It was, and, and then like they, they keep flashing back to the rocket car as he's trying to like break it. And then he, it would roll over and Comet would bump and he'd roll back and he'd roll back over and and then it'd go back to the rocket car. Yeah, it was it was a little much. It even seemed like um, Bruce Campbell was struggling. And okay, am I rolling? Am I not rolling? How am I making this continue to happen? I guess maybe they just need to fill in a certain amount of space before the commercial break. I don't know. Yeah, uh, the professor jumps off the rocket, and he so he is there to aid uh, Briscoe. Uh, so for then we go to Bowler, who's who's tracked down the tank, and he's like, man, this is gonna be the easiest three grand I ever made because he basically just climbs up in a tree and drops down on top of it. But he can't get the hatch open, and then he starts taking you know his revolver and he's shooting at the the hatch, and it won't open he takes a shotgun and he shoots it it won't open and then uh, he looks up just in time to see a tree branch coming and it clotheslines him off the top of the tank and he rolls off from there we have the professor who's carting uh he's hooked his rocket cart up to comet now he's using it as sort of like a horse-drawn carriage with uh briscoe slung over the back and they're headed to sword to some ghost town um looking for help for briscoe he explains basically he has left his wife left the whole the farm and everything and he's been flying around in the rocket car giving five cent rocket rides which will be a pun they use later and that he's making plenty of money and he doesn't need women anymore because he can fly around blah 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 or and he can he can go around and make his business like this from there they make it to the city and it's called no man's land so they're like oh no man's land well that's weird this is supposed to be a ghost town there's people here and that's when he realized it's not no man's land it's no man's land because the city is basically is 100 percent filled with women ran by women 
and is immediately greeted by someone who tells him basically they got to turn around and leave because it's no man's land. I, I do believe I've rented a few installments of that video series. Oh, my goodness. So uh, same. Uh, so from there we go to uh, anyway. So so the, the sheriff intervenes and says, no, you know what? He can see the doctor. And she notices when she grabs his gun that it looks really familiar to her. And she's all like, who is this man? And the, the professor's like, well, it's Briscoe County Jr. Um, and then at this point, we all recognize that the sheriff is Tasha Yar from or Denise Crosby. Right. Yep. Tasha yep. Yar from Star Trek The Next right. Generation. Fame. By the way, uh, well, while we're on this, uh, are you looking forward to Picard? Did you watch the trailer? Uh, I am. I have not watched that trailer yet because I was going to show it to Miss Mac to try and get her excited about it, although she has no prior knowledge of anything Star Trek related. But I don't really know if you're going to need it too much for the series. I, I don't uh, like, know because my whole thing is watching the trailer. I, I didn't really know what the a Picard TV show was going to be. You know, I, th- I thought it might just be him like on a farm talking to people. I thought maybe it was going to be like a really El Cheapo you know, streaming series or something. But apparently it is going to be like a full-blown continuation of all the TV shows from the 90s and, and 80s and I guess early 2000s. So it, it's it, everything is, is fair game. So this is going to be the first time we've seen any continuation of those shows that a lot of us had a great affection for back in the day since before the J.J. Abrams reboot, since before Enterprise. I don't think they've done anything with these characters since the last film of the next generation uh cycle you know nemesis uh back in what the mid 2000s yeah yeah so okay so i guess i'll check it out yeah i mean i don't want to spoil anything for you but you you're going to see a few characters in that that you might not be expecting that we're on those shows oh make it so y'all um but who you won't necessarily be seeing is tasha yar since she made a point of getting herself whacked at the end of the first season of next generation and i think regretted that decision for the rest of her career yeah this this was uh when, when she was so i watched star trek the next generation as it came out as a young man as a child and uh dude when she died that was like a big deal like i i couldn't because she was a flat out regular cast member she was part of the crew and then just they killed her and it was like okay so what's when does she come back you know what I mean? And it's like, right. no, 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 she's dead. Like, she, they killed off a character in their show. And it was like, what is going on? Now, it wasn't like she was a fan favorite or anything, but it was still kind of a big deal that they killed her off. It was very uh, – uh, but then, it, yeah, I, I had no idea. It was because basically she was asking to be written out of the show because her character had stagnated. So, yeah, you're right. She was probably like, oh, that's a mistake. Yeah, well, I mean, she went off and she did Pet Cemetery, and that was a pretty reasonable hit. And then, for the most part, didn't have anything else. I mean, she went back to Next Generation several times. She played a Romulan, I think, at one point, if I remember correctly. And, you know, she did the Trekkies documentaries and stuff. And it's like, for somebody who was so thirsty to get out of Star Trek, she sure worked hard to get back into it as often as she possibly could. Well, I read that apparently she was originally cast to be Deanna Troy. And then they yanked that role and gave her Tasha Yar. So I guess that could probably make you pretty bitter. Maybe. Because Deanna Troy was a huge part of that show from Jump. She was. Although part of it was because she was incredibly attractive, too. But, I mean, uh, Denise Crosby back then was pretty good looking, too. So, um, I don't know. I I, I don't know if you – she actually uh, was in one of Chris Isaac's videos from that time period where she's dancing sultry and gets into her underwear and stuff. It's like, all right, Tasha Yar, you, you can compete. But I cannot see her in the role. Uh, I, I can't see her as Troy. She just uh, Marina Sirtis had that that you know that bleeding empathy uh, that that was necessary for that role and the, kind of one of the defining characteristics of 
Crosby is she's not the most emotive actress. And so it kind of made sense for her to be the security guard. I, I, get, I get why they would have swapped that out because I don't see her working as Troy. Oh, no, I, I totally agree. In my opinion, it worked out for the best for the show. But she's uh, but I can also see from her point of view uh, as an actress who watches the role she was originally cast for explode. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there thinking and, and then watch her character basically be written out of the show mm-hmm. um, without being written out of the show. And then she's just like, get me out of here. You know what I mean? That's one of those when keeping it real goes wrong moments, you know? Right. But I I can't say I totally blame her. But at the same time, hindsight's definitely 2020. And the show ran long enough to where every major character in that show got some marks, and and that's why so many of the characters are beloved. Um, But you'd also have to sit around for what was it eight years that show ran so yeah. i don't know if she had that kind of time i do remember though she was on a, a short-lived show that i really enjoyed called key west with fisher stevens uh and and she was another recurring character on that i think she was the mayor of the town or something and it, they were like mysteries or something uh it was on fox and i remember really enjoying that but it's been so long i can't even really tell you what the show was about but she was good in that you, you just cut out for like 30 seconds but i did hear you mention key west the show mm-hmm. I, I watched that too oh, yeah. <laughs> i like that I like that show. No, what was it about though? I don't even remember. I it have that no well. clue. I cannot remember. But I just remember really liking that show and was disappointed when it ended. But I, I couldn't tell you what it was freaking about. Revenge of the '90s over here. Tomorrow, something extraordinary is happening to television. Presenting the world premiere of the new Fox Tuesday Night. First, from actor-director Peter Horton comes the premiere of a new series... Just this once, stand or fall, I've got to make it on my own. ...about the most exciting and challenging time in a person's life. The first Morrissey ever to go to college. Class of 96. Let me guess, you're a freshman. Then, after Seamus O'Neill won the lottery, he went looking for the perfect place to live out his fantasies. What he found was the wildest. It's magic here. The weirdest. This is spooky. <laughs> most wonderful place on earth. Thought I'd give myself to you. Key West. Life is good. Class of 96 and Key West on the new Fox Tuesday night this Tuesday. Key West yeah. is an American drama series set in Key West, Florida. 13 episodes out on Fox from January to June 1993. Main character is Seamus O'Neill, played by Fisher Stevens, a factory worker from New Jersey who dreams of becoming a writer. When he wins the lottery, he uses his newfound wealth to move to Key West to pursue his writing career where his idol, Ernest Hemingway, had lived. Seamus finds the island inhabited by eccentrics. He tries to get a job for the Meteor, the local newspaper, wishing to relive the life of his most, of his most famous employee, Ernest Hemingway. This brings him into conflict with the paper's editor, Roosevelt Cole, Ivory Ocean, who remarks, you want to report on the Spanish Civil War? Eventually, Seamus is hired on a probation for on a probationary period. In a later episode, it was revealed Seamus is once again poor as his lottery winnings were seized due to taxation and multiple unpaid debts, and it will be several years before his next annuity check resumes. Seamus then decides to put everything into writing, wor- money worries or not, uh, and then they list a number of, of uh, other actors on the show. So I can definitely see why I wouldn't remember the show anymore, especially since it was a 60-minute show as well. But I, I guess it was another one of those uh, northern exposure kind of attempted things. Oh, wow. Hold on. That's uh, Brian Thompson was on that show. Yeah. Do you remember Brian Thompson? He was the serial killer in Cobra. Uh, No, but I knew I remember Jennifer Tilly was in the show. Didn't she play with the island prostitute or something like that or the island? Jennifer Tilly something? was in that. Yes. 
Yeah, and then and I remember the Hemingway part. I was going to say that before you started recapping it. I remember it had something to do with Ernest Hemingway. I forgot about the lottery winnings because I think I don't know if Jennifer Tilly was like the island prostitute or she was sort of like I just remember he would always go <laughs> to her for like I, I don't you managed to get the phrase pro- island prostitute in this show already a couple of three times now. So Welcome congratulations to the island on that prostitute alone. cast. I'm a legal machine. Um, yeah, but I remember like he would always go to her and I, and it was like they were uh, like hashing out. She was almost like his therapist in a way also, mm. but I. Don't don't remember exactly. Damn it! Now I have. Now I, we got to start a Key West cast, the Diablo Front and the League Machine. What was her character? I, I'm pretty sure there weren't any other podcasts who've covered that territory. So at least we would completely own that particular bit of uh, real estate. Yeah. No. Nobody. Savannah Sumner. You can edit all this out while I search because now it's going to drive me insane. <laughs> and nothing gives any detail. I'd have to start reading like the full-on wiki. Nah. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Let me see. We've already devoted far more nope, minutes of nope, podcasting to this show than anybody else ever has. In addition to Stevens, Jennifer Tilly, Denise Crosby, and Brian Thompson led a large ensemble cast as the town's high-class prostitute, conservative mayor, and eccentric sheriff, respectively. So thank you very much. She was the island prostitute. <laughs> high class. High class. But like I said, I don't think he ever went to her for her prostitution services. He was, Not she was like there's anything his, wrong with that. I mean, if, if yeah. he's got the cash and she's got the, you know, she's got to earn a living too. Yeah, absolutely. I think he was going to her and was basically she was like his therapist or whatever. We go to her for advice. But again, this is me trying to remember this show on like one watching. How long ago was this show come out? 30 years. 30 freaking years ago. Good Lord, folks. We can move on. <laughs> I'm not sure we can. Oh I'm still waiting for our Parker Lewis Can't Lose podcast. But, oh, that would uh, be nice. Briscoe wakes up and the professor sort of explaining where they're at. And, uh, and he says, oh, he's got to get out and go out on the town. And he's like, why? What are you doing? He's like, oh, they're very curious about my rocket. <laughs> um, so from there, the, uh, the Swill Gang shows up to No Man's, uh, to no Man's Land. Yeah, by the way, uh, uh, Wickwire was, Wickwire, uh, was very heavy into innuendo this whole time, too, because uh, yeah, lots uh, of, you, they, they yeah. took him into a bedroom and, and told him, you know, being on flat on his back is probably a good place to be in No Man's Land. Uh, he's visited by, uh, Dr. Quinn. Tara Quintano, medicine woman. Uh, lots of goofy jokes and innuendos and asides and such on this one. Um, okay, so from there, there's a short. Uh, they show the uh, the Swill Gang showing up. They they immediately just barge into a uh, a bar and toss you know the the woman who's running the bar out. From there, we have like a little snippet where uh, Briscoe and the sheriff are sort of talking about you know you know she's talking about how you know the women are here they've built this and he's like no that's great he goes I like, know there's nothing wrong with that I think that that's great that you guys came out here and you did your own thing and then he gives a little you know he doesn't actually say the coming thing but he talks about how there's you know there's a change coming and he's out there trying to find it uh, so. I wish they would have probably spent a little more time on that scene and less time of him trying to roll off the train tracks, but oh, yeah. it was there. Uh, so anyway, somebody busts in and goes, so a bunch of men took over the bar. So the sheriff goes down there. They immediately uh, turn the tables on her. Uh, Gil takes her sheriff badge and is now he sheriff, which is that – isn't that a trope they already did in this show? Was that wasn't that in the pilot? Where where the bad guys pretend to be a sheriff? No, no, no. Yeah, no. It was the it was the, it was, it was the last episode where his old uh, childhood buddy was actually running the town and he oh, basically yeah, stole yeah. the sheriff badge from the sheriff so that's back-to-back episodes where well, they use that but in in their defense the they were run out of sequence this is the the uh, uh release order not the production order i suppose that's true but w- release order we're three episodes in and you've used the same bit like two consecutive episodes it's problematic yeah uh stealing a sheriff badge and 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 masquerading as a sheriff uh 
So by the way, uh, Small World that uh, Tracy Walter was in Sl- City Slickers with uh, Jack Palance, and he also appears on an episode or two of Star Trek: The Next Generation. So it all comes around. Man, I, 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 in a lot of ways, though, Star Trek: The Next Generation is the Kevin Bacon of TV shows, of sci-fi true. shows. Like Very everybody true. was in Star Trek: The Next Generation. I think you could a better question be why weren't you this actor over here? Why weren't you in an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation? Yeah, you had who did you hundreds I mean, of opportunities. Whoopi Goldberg had a recurring role. What were you doing? So we can connect whoop- Megan McCain to uh, uh, the Next Generation in one relation. Goodness gracious! Okay, so from there, um, Boulder comes into town looking for the tank. This is everybody's kind of all starting to converge on No Man's Land. If you haven't noticed, uh, so he so the sheriff comes out, the Gill posing as a sheriff, and he's like, "Hey, man, what what can I do you for?" or whatever. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm looking for something. And so they get to talking in the bar. He's like, you know, I can't tell you about it. And they get to talking in the bar. And suddenly the sheriff knows exactly what he's talking about. And he's like, I didn't tell you that. And he's like, well, you also didn't tell me. It's got a 35 millimeter cannon and a eight inch steel. I lost you at eight inch steel. Uh, uh, yada, yada, yada. Bowler gets captured. Well, I like he's to that Bowler's saying, yeah, I know trying to like brush his hair to get to a shotgun. And the guy's already drawn on him by then. So he, he probably needed to move a little quicker. So Briscoe has moved in and he's freed the sheriff. Uh, and from there, you don't really Really need to go into it. There's a bunch of basically home and alone, home alone shenanigans since nobody has firearms because that's it's like a city policy. They take away visitors' firearms. So and she's got a key where she's locked it. So they're trying to get the key, but the uh, the Swill Gang has the key. So they're trying to find creative ways to knock all the the Swill Gang off one by one, including a like really weirdly awkward. There's two super awkward scenes. One when they capture the sheriff and they're like, "What are we gonna do with her?" And they go, "Whatever we want." And it's like, "Oh, that's creepy." Yep. And then later on to catch one of the swill gang uh there's a woman bathing in a hot tub and the swill gang dude comes in and it's just like immediately starts taking his clothes off like that it's not even even like for a second like build any suspense here he's just gonna and he's like don't worry i'll be gentle and they're like oh because he's going to rape this poor woman yeah the, but then tried, this yeah. is this this uh, we've talked already about how this show kind of pushed some borders particularly when it comes to the innuendo and for the most part we're okay with it because a little something for the grown-ups a little something for the kids but this one besides some really bad, bad Me Too moments in this thing, the fact that they explicitly reference incest in this episode several times was like my dudes this is on sundays at six o'clock it's family viewing that's the whole selling point maybe dial back the incest jokes for goodness sakes yeah the, the swill guys are talking about one of their uncles or one of their cousins and like didn't he marry uh aunt maude and he was like i thought he married his mother and he's like, that's what i said <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> <laughs> and when he does show up, they're like, how's your mother? And he just like sort of – they just let it linger in the air for a minute there. It's like this is yeah. not comfortable for anybody. Please move on. Because remember the incest joke from earlier? Yuck, yuck, yuck. Uh, so it, it turns out the woman in the hot tub is there on purpose to lure the guy and that Briscoe basically told her to stay in there. And when the dude came in, he knocks the guy out. Mm-hmm. So it kind of made it a little less creepy, but it was definitely kind of creepy. She wasn't helpless. She was in there on purpose to bait the guy. Okay, I get it. Whatever. You, you saw a fair amount of her in that tub. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And we'll leave it at that. Reminded me uh, of the video series I rented back in the day. Oh, my God. Lots of parallels in this uh, in this uh, No Man's Land episode. Lots of parallels uh, in that series I rented back in the day. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Uh, so Briscoe finds a photo of the sheriff when he, he's digging around in one of the houses they're in. And it's sheriff. And she, Well, it's not the sheriff at the time. She's in a photo with the Bly gang as one of the members of the Bly gang. And he's like, what the hell? So he basically says, hey, look. Uh, she's like, you know, you weren't supposed to find that or whatever. And, uh, and he's 
like, well, look, I'm just let you know, I, you know, I don't hate anybody, but I'm taking everybody in who's associated with the black gang. So when all we, we get out of this, I'm taking you in. And she was like, well, that's not what your father said. And she, he was like, what? You know, my father. And basically uh, Briscoe's father, Briscoe County senior folks keep up. Um, basically, when, when he arrested the Bly gang and put them on the train from the pilot episode, he let her go and said, basically, I'm going to give you a second chance. You're not an evil person. You need to you need a second chance to uh, to make a better life, which is how she eventually ended up in no man's land and started this sort of not utopian uh, world, but like a, a you know women's only. We're going to make this place the best we can. Let's boot all the uh, the junk men out. Yeah. Um, well, it's not even so much about booting guys out because they'll, they'll, they make a big point of this being a ghost town. The whole reason why the school brothers showed up is because they this was like their hideout, and suddenly there's this town built up around there. I think it's more about these were women who wanted the opportunity to, to forge some kind of destiny for themselves without being any, under anyone's thumb, and so you know they, they just made their own town. But that's one of the things that is a little bit weird about this episode, given all the weird, squicky sexual stuff in here. For a monosexual town, this is the most heteronormative bunch of women ever. You know, even the big <laughs> burly like blacksmith women are still clearly interested in guys and it's like really there's you're all okay sure oh sure okay <laughs> just it, it, they, with everything else that they're getting away with there's not even the hint of of any kind of uh, homosexuality in this town yeah so anyway let's just wrap the episode up the tank then rolls and uh, rolls into town gill jumps in and just they just start blowing the heck out of the city i mean they're like they, they show two women up on the second floor and they're firing shotguns at him and he just blows the top off this building uh and then the original woman who had come out and tried to throw Briscoe out of town and was also the head of the bar that the uh, Swill gang had kicked out. She basically comes out in the middle of the street with a shotgun and is just like, not my city, not our city. We built this city uh, with, you know, country music or whatever. And so they're just, <laughs> they're just she's unloading this shotgun. And, you know, as this thing turns right towards oh, wait, her and she, fires. Definitely the most fashionable person in the town. I really like the whole vest thing she had going on there. The the pants combo and everything. She nice hair. She's very fashionable for uh, a random town in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it worked. I, I, the hair, especially, I thought really worked with the she, ensemble. She could have rode uh, her horse to uh, Melrose Place from out of there. Oh, t- dude, t- totally, totally was right ready. She was about to be the new neighbor on Melrose Place, 100%. Uh, by the way, the uh, actress is Brooke Susan Parker, who was in the movie Strange Days, although I do not remember her in the movie, but you know, she did a lot of 90s stuff too. So as soon as she's about to get shot by this tank, Bowler jumps in and saves her. Uh, that was a nice little moment. Uh, well, so anyway, I, the funny thing is yeah. he, he does save her and she resents him because obviously this was like a suicide march on her part. And then later on, when things settle down, she actually gives him a hug and thanks him. And it's a nice platonic thing. Uh, but it, was, it was pretty sweet, actually. So uh, from there, basically, they, they have the idea like, look, uh, or no, uh, Briscoe says to Bowler, this is the future of warfare, Bowler. And then he comes to the realization we need to fight the future with the future. In, in other words, they're going to take the rocket car fire to the tank, which they do. It blows up. Um, you know, the, the town is saved. So Briscoe goes to move on and the professor has one last innuendo before he leaves because he's like, come on, professor, let's go. And the professor's like, oh, I think I'm going to stay here and uh, fix my rocket. And uh, Briscoe's like, your rocket, it's blown to pieces. And he's like, oh, I think the whoever the, the, the German, the German wood, blacksmith ma- ladies, blacksmith ladies, I think they can pound it back into shape. Wah, wah, wah. Roll credits. 
Uh, he gives him his card and says, uh, no, he gives Denise Crosby his card and says, whatever's left of press Rick wire, send here. Right. right. Uh, I forgot. There was another one. They went for another. You know, or any or whatever is left of him. By the way, one of the blacksmiths uh, is uh, Corinna Everson, who is a, a really like like a bodybuilder. And uh, beyond, besides the fact that she was also in Charmed, she also had a, a recurring role on Hercules, The Legendary Journeys. So we're going for peak 90s here. Yeah, she. I knew. I recognized her from somewhere. But, Possibly, too, um, there's a few people in this uh, show that were on Natural Born Killers. Really? Mm-hmm. That's like she was in Double Impact. Maybe I remember her from Double Impact, too. Yeah. Uh, but definitely from Hercules. By the way, Natural Born Killers, another movie that isn't popping up on these Quentin Tarantino best of lists that suddenly started springing up uh, around the release of his movie. Uh, but what was his part in Natural Born Did he just direct yeah, it? Or no, he wrote it, didn't he? Didn't he write it? Oh, he was only one. It was his story. It was his original story. Maybe it doesn't fit the uh, criteria to make a list. I don't well, know. well, me and Mr. Fixit had a whole uh, side argument uh, while we recorded the other day about uh, where's the true romance in these top lists of Tarantino movies, too. What, that doesn't count? It's a very Tarantino movie. How come when I go to Natural Born Killers and I search Quentin Tarantino? Oh, there he is. Okay, sorry. I was spelling Tarantino wrong. That's why. It's based on his original screenplay, but was heavily revised by Oliver Stone. So that must be why. Anyway, we knocked out. Hey, welcome to uh, Natural Born Killers cast. I'm a legal machine with me. Oh, yeah. Um, all anyway, kinds so, of spinoffs. Yeah. Like, uh, um, for instance, the the one of the Swill brothers, the one I keep referencing, was also on an episode of Justice League where he played somebody who's related to Eclipso, which uh, he was actually, I took sound clips of him and put it into one of my episodes of the Idle Head of Diablo podcast. And um, one of them was in something that, oh, we have, he was also in an episode of Monsters, which I referenced in the first episode of Zombie Cat. The uh, duration of Dawn of the Dead podcast. So you know it, this this is the nexus of all our podcasts in this one particular episode of the coming thing. Yeah, lots of random people in this episode. So anyway, what did you think of this episode? It's fun. It's not one of my favorites. Uh, what I kept flashing to is I, I yeah, you you and uh, Cody Shivey both double teamed me recently, uh, wondering how I could have not liked Stranger Things season three at all and not want to watch the show anymore. And even like, how could I have even liked it less than season two? And a big part of the problem is that the first two seasons of that show were all about establishing that this is a, a reality that's recognizable. There's like a Stephen King thing where it's the world you know with this one or two elements that turn everything upside down and uh, then when you have a season where they've got a mall that was built by evil Russians that goes down for miles and nobody knows about it and all this like science stuff that doesn't make any sense and it isn't explained by the supernatural and it, like literally me and Paquita would watch it for like five or ten minutes at a stretch get hung up on science stuff and just not like not be able to continue with it besides the fact that they're constantly regressing and the characters aren't progressing and everybody stops and decides to have a five minute conversation about the quality of new coke uh, with the product tie and everything else just can't stand anymore so this is a, that's a show that is supposed to set be a recognizable reality particularly one that i grew up in and so i'm particularly invested in that being accurately reflected whereas this is a cartoon there's no basis of reality on this it's very clear we've got tanks we've got rocket ships we've got nonsense physics we've got a bit where a uh, briscoe and denise crosby stuff pillows into a bled under the assumption that the safe assumption would be that they would stuff the pillows so even though in all the movies we always see them shoot the bed anyway in this one instance they don't shoot the bed and they're actually hiding the bed they jump out of the bed and beat up the guy which only works because they set up the joke you know it, it's it's uh, wally coyote kind of stuff but because that's the what this show is premised on it's supposed to be a cartoon i i don't have any problem with any of that stuff i i think it's fun but this is definitely turn off your critical thinking 
you know, entertainment and it's very disposable entertainment. If you hadn't seen this episode and just jumped to another one, you really wouldn't be missing too much. But I, I had fun for it, fun with it for what it was. Yeah, I, I felt like this was just like a, you know, every now and then you get the, the filler issue that doesn't totally suck. This was like a filler episode that didn't totally suck. It, it was it has nothing to do with the Bly Gang, even though she was a member of the Bly Gang. It's really got nothing but, to do but, with but it. But I, I did freeze frame and look at that picture, and I it, I do not believe Denise Crosby is actually in that picture. I think that they just they, did. You see it? Did you look? I, I mean, I looked at it briefly. I'm 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 watching uh, Daily Motion uh, illegal uploads. Probably I don't know if they're illegal uploads. That's, I mean, they're up, the they could have taken they could have taken them down a million times. So I'm I'm literally projecting on a wall uh, <laughs> to 140 inches a daily motion upload that's a rip from a DVD. <laughs> so I'm not really sure I have the level of quality <laughs> to uh, determine, yeah. uh, to identify folks in a grainy black and white photo. True that. But, but I don't believe that's actually her playing the mall in the photograph. It does. I looked at it really close. Like, that's not Denise Crosby. I can absolutely see Billy Drago. That's definitely him. I don't think that's her in the picture, though. I wouldn't be surprised. But they flash it so quickly, they're probably like, nobody's going to notice this thing. Uh, anyway, but but I did think there was just like some random stuff in this. Sh- like like we, we touched on it a little bit earlier. Like it's kind of nice for the show to show how sort of these women got together from all over the world. You know, they've all got accents from all over the world. And they've built this – they turned this ghost town into like a fully functioning city, right? They got a doctor. They got a sheriff. They got blacksmiths, right? Uh, but then at the same time, like you said, they're all like as soon as a guy comes in <laughs> – they're like, whoa, here's some men. And it's like, uh, you kind of lose and some points And not just there. the guy, that noted sex bomb, John Aston, uh, who well, at that they, point would have been made, his they late They make a comment 50s. about Bruce also. Yeah, yeah, they do comment on Bruce, but obviously Bruce is, I don't know, it, it's weird. Bruce is weirdly, uh, not interested in anything in this town. He's like, he likes it on principle, but he, he has no, uh, uh, sensual investment in any of this. No, right, right, right. They, they don't, he doesn't have a little fling with the sheriff or anything like that, which I thought was, uh, you know, that's a little refreshing too, cause that would have been so on the nose that Briscoe comes in and sweeps the, the all-female town sheriff off their you know, yeah. feet. That would have been so obvious. Yeah. It's kind of counterintuitive to have the goofy professor is the one who's swooning with all these ladies. Uh, so I give it points back for that. Uh, so anyway, so but but there were some really good moments, like like the, the barkeep who comes out and she's firing her shotgun at the tank. She's willing, she's ready to die and sacrifice herself to save the city and stuff. Like, there was some really, like, noble stuff in this episode amidst all the kookiness and weird pseudo uh, about-to-be rape scene and the incest joke Zuh, plural jokes jokes uh so yeah I, i'm i'm with you i i think that this is a it's a nice little filler episode uh doesn't really tie to the story but i was entertained i watched it, the whole thing i was never like oh, yeah. man when oh, are yeah. they gonna when are they gonna move on it, it kept a pretty quick pace again and again all, I, all the I couldn't finish kinda... i could not we could not from start to finish do a complete episode of stranger things season, season three after the first few episodes we could not make it through an entire episode without stopping and picking up the following day i had no problem finishing this episode you know and not just because i had a podcast but i, I just it was fun i mean are we gonna turn this into stranger things three season podcast because no, you're, no, you're no. a dumb you're an idiot i don't understand <laughs> it, it, it's it's i thought this was the, one of the funner i thought the last season took itself way too seriously mm-hmm. when it needs to be a little goofier and funner now i think they tested my goofo meter with the never-ending story stuff that, that was actually pushed, one of our favorite parts i, I, I was on it board pushed for that. It a little no it pushed it a little too far i mean i thought the scene was funny but then afterwards they have like the whole ensemble cast singing it i thought that was a little hokey um 
to to talk more on the story, I really wish they would have given Will his moment. Like, I, I feel like they tortured that kid for two seasons, yeah. three seasons. Yeah. And I was like, man, when is Will going to have his, you know, when is Eleven not going to save the day and Will's going to do it? Right. Because Will's been put through so much and it's sort of his, his, uh, uh, his spidey sense helped exactly, him Exactly, exactly. Right? That, that was like the thing that he had was, oh, he's touching the back of his neck again. Here comes the attack. You know, it's a, basically, okay, we're going to telegraph supposedly for suspense, but really it's just like oh we're doing this again okay so yeah poor will yeah other I mean, than that though i thought i thought it was it was fun it was a blast the, the, and like look they never explained what the weird acid container stuff was like i thought they were like that was like looming over part of the show when they dropped that canister and the acid burned through the floor and then there's even a shot where they're all like walking near a room and they pan up to show you all the acid in the canisters and it never comes back later on in the show mm-hmm. little stuff like that kind of bothered me but other than that i thought this episode was i thought the season was funner than the last episode and i could let go like of course the great russian threat you can't have an 80s show without a great russian threat um i didn't have any problem with any of that sorry i, I, th- I thought this season was a blast Cancers of xenomorph blood yeah Ask exactly yeah ob- it's obviously it's a it's an alien uh reference but it's, they never really everything is a ran reference with it. it's it's a sh- collection of references that's the entire damned show sorry i still feel they're still pulling off between the the costumes the cars it's all still so good I, I, I'm still – I'm invested in a season four just based on how period correct the show is. It's not this fake, uh, hey, the, our movie's going to so. take place in the 80s. It's going to take place in the 80s. And it's like, okay, you made you put some hair gel in somebody's hair and you're saying it take, took place in the 80s. Like it feels like they built that mall. Like – and I don't know. I don't know how – I don't know how they – I don't know if this was an old rundown mall that they decided to just – you know, or if this was a set. Dude, that looked like an 80s mall. Like everybody's clothes were perfect. Everybody's hair is perfect. It, it wasn't the, the X-Men per- time traveling uh, sequels where it it's immediately 2000 and you know 14 within five minutes of each one of the movies. This is the right. 87 and- one. You know, here comes somebody who whose hair is completely wrong and who whose makeup is completely wrong, and it's like, oh god, yeah. I will at least. I, I think that they go too far in the other direction with Stranger Things, where it's like, look, it's the Mr. T cereal. Did you see this Easter egg here in an Exo Cooler? Um, but but at least they're they're putting the effort into reminding you as opposed to you know just like barely acknowledging it and then moving on but no but it's still not like the freaking goldbergs or whatever that 80s show it's not that bad either i I still think it's within reason i still think that it was they they did it it was a little more overt in this season uh but i I thought it just made it funner as opposed to the last season that was kind of a drag uh so anyway i enjoyed it welcome to stranger thangs cast i'm a legal machine and with me is diablo almost said a bad word <laughs> Debbie Downer Frank. Stop hating things that are fun, dude. Stop I, hating things that are fun, dude. Just just let it go, bro. Just relax, man. Enjoy I, something. I, Don't I just, get wrapped up in the science of Stranger Things where they're going into another dimension on the reg, bro. I guess Professor Wickwire in a previous life was Gomez Adams, and that is pretty irresistible. Wait, what? Where did that, oh, I, I don't know where that came from. What, I'm getting it back to on with, topic. Huh, say that again. I'm getting it back on topic. Okay. All right. Well, excellent, excellently done, I suppose. Frisco! The adventures of Frisco County Jr. will continue after these messages. The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. is brought to you by Kellogg's, the best to you each morning. Afternoon, everybody. Ryan! How's that baby treating you, Mr. Daly? 
like Thanos, snapping his fingers at my bank account. In that case, how about a beer on the house? Sure. Got to give my mouth something to do between podcasts. Say, Ryan, I don't get how you have so much time for podcasting. Doesn't your wife want you spending time with the baby? Would you? Truth is, I think she's a little worried about how much time I'm spending with the kid, ever since his first words were Dagobah system. (laughs) Now she wants me to go out and do something mature, something productive, and most of all, something lucrative that can support the family. So you're going to... Podcast about cheers, yeah. (laughs) That kid's not going to start college for 18 years. I got time. Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Network. Hi, my name's Red, and I want to tell you about the Transformers. My curiosity is aroused. Decepticons, transform and rise up. Calling Autobots, calling Autobots, this is a battle protocol. Robots with emotions. Robots who can die. Arrest. Now playing on fanelspodcast.blogspot.com. Watches. For the first time ever, Parker Lewis is now on DVD. Not a problem. Parker Lewis Can't Lose, Season 1. To quote Don Henley, this is the end of the innocence. All 26 episodes in a four DVD box set. And I thought I was anal. You are Frank. Thank you, Lewis. Special guest stars include Ozzy Osbourne, Ray Walston, Donnie Osmond, and Weird Al Yankovic. I also do weddings and bar mitzvahs. Whoa. I don't even go to this school. Special features include new interviews with the cast, creator, and crew, and episode commentary. Lunch gone, still hungry. My brother's a dead man. Parker Lewis Can't Lose, Season 1, now on DVD. Get me Parker Lewis! Where? Two o'clock, fifth period, twice house. Hey there, I'm Nathaniel with some exciting news about the Punch Like a Girl podcast. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, Liz, I'm, I'm just doing the promo. Tell the people about how the podcast we do together covering graphic novels and trade collections starring female protagonists is moving. To, and um, actually, I'm, I'm mansplaining again, aren't I? Uh-huh. Well, I, I can just, um, here, here you go. Punch Like a Girl is joined in the Fire and Water Network, and as of October, will be found on the network feed and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Is it okay if I just invite folks to join us in celebrating the girls who kick butt? I think you already did. Yes! Nailed it! Don't worry, folks. I'll keep them in line. 
Get ready for the season premiere of the show that's helped capture 262 of America's most dangerous fugitives. America's Most Wanted. It all happens on the new Fox Tuesday night. Then, escape to paradise with the show that the L.A. Times calls an hour of sparkling television. <laughs> with enough eccentric characters to make Northern Exposure look like the love boat. You just lie back and let Savannah take care of you. Key West. There are definitely unseen hands at work here. After Class of 96, two all-new episodes tonight on the new Fox Tuesday night. Class of 96 and Key West starting tonight at 8 p.m. only on WNYW Fox 5. And now back to the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. I guess this was Off the Wick Wire, Warlord World, Evil Dead News, Slangword Scott, The Hammer Strikes, Secret Wars and Beyond podcast, Keith G. Baker, who also uh, sent you a gif uh, that said, uh, when the illegal machine tries to blame me for something Ryan Daly did, and it's the baseball player giving people like a, a look, an Astros player, I don't know what this gif is. I don't know either. I don't have it in front of me, and it was probably from like uh, two months ago. No, more, more like five or six months ago. Five or six months ago. Yeah. And then you wrote, uh, blame four roses and small batch, and Keith said, never, some sweet action uh, that deserves no blame whatsoever. Oh, man. Four Roses Small Batch. Hey, if you guys like bourbon, go grab yourself some Four Roses Small Batch. It's been fueling my podcasts for years. Uh, let's see. We also got Odell Abner Dracula, Relatively Geeky Podcast Network, Stockport Super, Lee Samp 29, Zachary McCarthy, Simone J. Lima, Nicole at Zaked Sphere, Green Lantern HG, 108 Sage, Brian Mulvey, Professor Frenzy. I'm hoping I can catch everybody. Let's see. Coffee and Comics wrote, Oh, good. I was afraid you guys stopped at the pilot. It stops and starts, but we, we're, you know, we're back. Uh, Dr. Ange, Anime Freaks, Chris at Bad Books for Beginners, Bob Buster, Dr. Pop Culture BGSU, Anthony Joseph. I don't think he has an account anymore. Uh, Daniel French, Ice in the Face, Fan Holes Podcast, History of Comics on Film, Justice First Dawn, Gregory Litchfield, Rise of King Asylus, Ice in the Face, David Golding, Jennifer DeRoss, Comics in the Golden Age, Jeffrey Brown, Doc Strange, Fritz Frankenstein, The Hoopers, Gregory Litchfield. I think I already got him. Uh, let's see. This is the worst social media read you have ever done in five years of podcasting or however long we've been doing this. Well, I'm literally going off of my phone, so I mean... Come on. <clears throat> Randy Caldwell, uh, Warlock Thanos Podcast, Randomitable, Nexus of All, DK on the Air, Nerdfix Strangers, El Romero Romero, aka Max Romero, Cristados, Longbox Crusade, Paul Matthew Carr, Webcast 411, Talk Nerdy to Me, Words and Pictures, Sean Merrick, Brangian Vigilante. Uh, I'm really, really late on my one on one show, so it's been a while since I've had his name up here. And let's see. Anybody else? Richard Field and Ride Adventures Podcasting Network. I think that's pretty much everybody. Let's want to check Facebook right quick. I think that'd be a bit of a scroll, though. Uh, hold on. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Might not take too long. By the way, I wanted to see that GIF you were talking about. So I just searched Blame Four Roses into Twitter. There are about two dozen tweets where people are saying, <laughs> don't blame me, blame Four Roses, which I thought was hilarious. And it was a GIF of George Springer, which is an excellent GIF because Georgie's the man. Ghost Rose. This is a Houston-based podcast. Scrolling, scrolling. One moment. Almost there. I don't get the tapes say had side A and side B, so it's only logical that their successor would be a CD. You don't know the alphabet? A, B, C, D? Oh, oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Hey, don't blame don't blame the meme that you didn't understand A B C D. When did this episode come out? January. I'm almost there. Yeah, see the the evil dead podcast thing guys went ahead and did Briscoe County as a uh, podcast. They covered the whole series. Uh so it definitely robbed us a bit of our momentum. I've never heard of these guys, so it didn't rob me of anything. 
Mm, yeah, I don't know if we have any. Uh, on episode two, we had a comment from Ruth Sutherland. She says, we enjoyed the latest episode. The heroic character of Brisker County Jr. really appeals to us, and I appreciate the good guys and bad guys are clear and appreciated the point about the rising popularity of antiheroes. This conversation was great. Looking forward to the next episode, Ruth. Our friends Darren and Ruth Sutherland. Who I'll be seeing fairly soon. In Boston. Wicked Boston Pawn. Oh, my God. We got chowder and racists. <laughs> Let's see, I already talked about I found the gif and everybody was blaming four roses. That's social media. Uh, should we do a little send off to Billy Drago? Yeah, certainly. Yes. Because um, he's not actually in the episode to talk. No, about him, he so is. He's they show him on a picture. Right. So he's there in spirit. You know, it's, oh, it's almost kind of appropriate on. that we're doing an episode of the show that Billy Drago is only in as a, a, a reflection. A memoriam, basically. Yeah, sort of, kind of, yeah. All I mean, you know, obviously our hero is swearing vengeance to get him in the episode, but generally speaking, still, he's acknowledged. Oh, yeah. So uh, uh, old see, Billy passed away, what, five days ago on the 24th? I guess we don't know when this is going to air. No, he passed away on July, June 24th. It's, it's been roughly – no, it'll be this week. I, I, no, he was uh, – no, it wasn't that, that – yeah, I just saw a, a memorial you had up on our Facebook page. There's like the first. Yeah, it was Ju- June 24th when he passed away. I was I saw I saw a J and I was thinking July. Yeah. yeah, it was June. Obviously, it was not five days ago. You, what is you, wrong with me? Yeah, you put up the acknowledgement on July the 1st. But yeah, it's it. you know, I, I've, I've been fond of Billy Drago for years. He was one of the great villains of the 1980s. Uh, I felt that he was sort of the Jack Palance of the 80s, even though Jack Palance was still around, but he was taking the roles that Jack Palance used to do and definitely had that same sort of serpentine quality. You know, just he was just a great villain. I, I, I don't know. Do we know what he passed from? Oh, you know what? That's a good question. Uh... And uh, I'll throw in Mike Peacock and Max Traver and uh, Ryan Daly as people who acknowledged the passing of Billy Rago on the Facebook page. Stroked out, man. Stroke. Yeah. Yep. Had a stroke. And, and fairly young, too. What, what, late 60s, early 70s, something like that? Uh, like mid seventies, seventy three. Seventy three. Okay, it's yeah. a little early to stroke out, but not. I mean, he's he's a male. Yeah. So he's in know. the right age range. Yeah. 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 And, and to be honest, too, I mean, he used to pop up on Charmed, and that was only maybe a decade or so after Adventures of Brisco County, and he he looked kind of rougher too. So I, I don't know if there were maybe some some comorbidities there or something. Yeah, but I mean, his features lint himself to yeah. age a little when you're not that creepy, lean, but when you're that yeah. lean too and and he had pronounced features if you lose any additional weight you know or, or if you smoke or something like that it, it does tend to really show up because you don't have anything to absorb the the mileage basically exactly exactly yeah like the cheek his pronounced like really strong cheekbones mm-hmm. like if you like you said if you lose weight they're gonna start to look you know well and not again, and not you're not gonna look emaciated but yeah. you know what i mean it's gonna give you more of a oh man i'm trying not to say things that are gonna just respect the guy yeah. but uh, words are popping in my head that i probably shouldn't use so i'm okay, talking let's not do that uh, but, but i mean no, no. It, speaking of jack palance he's another guy who had a very smooth face when he was younger and then of course they made a big deal about how leather he was in the um city slickers movies so you know yeah the, i mean the years take their toll absolutely man so that there's our our bad guy billy drago is it drago or drago it's drago i, think it's drago. Right? I believe it's drago yeah. I've, I've never heard okay. it pronounced any other way but i don't know i i can't honestly tell you when i would have heard anybody ever pronounce it it might be one of those things where I've just been saying it for for thirty years and nobody ever corrected me. So I I, yeah, I, but sure. I I believe it's Billy Drago though. But he was in like Vamp and he was in uh, um 
one of the Delta Force movies. He was in Untouchables, which we've talked about in the past. So he was, especially in the uh, mid-80s through to about the mid-90s, he was just consistently doing uh, horror, I mean, uh, villainous roles and, and always excelled at it. He was just great at that. The Hills Have Eyes? He was in that? Oh, he was in the remake. Yeah, the one from the early 2000s. He didn't get, it yep. wasn't much of a role, though, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I mean, let me uh, see, what he else? He all that theatrically, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I mean, that's in uh, Pussycat. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I was there. Were you on that one? Like, I wasn't sure I, if you were yes, on that I one. Was. I was there on that one too. Um, That's the one where I got really upset because I, I was saying there's a big right wing uh, movie and all kind of thing, you know, typical for me. Yeah, uh, even way back then. And let me see, it was also in Children of the Corn Genesis. Huh? I don't think I saw that. Children one. of the Corn. Yeah, me neither. I don't think anybody else did. But that was 2011. That's fairly recently. Yeah. I mean, he, he worked for most of the, his life, you know? Yeah, I mean, it looks like he was active from 79 all the way through 2014. He had two films in 2014. I mean, not anything huge, but uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's not bad. Yeah, anyway, I don't want to dwell on too much. Sucks the dude died. I feel uh, I feel uh, I feel some sadness about that. Since we're we're going to be covering the show over the next how many total episodes were there? Twenty four. Uh, something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, because he's going to be in it. You know, basically through the whole thing. So, here's to you, Billy. Now, stay tuned for scenes from next week's Briscoe County Junior. And I'm Darren of the Rad Adventures Network. We're a married couple who enjoy great stories of all kinds, including adventures, mysteries, science fiction, and fantasy. Please join us for a variety of podcasts focused on a range of pop culture topics. Trekker Talk is about 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the comic Trekker by writer and artist Ron Randall. It's a blend of classic sci-fi adventures and noir mysteries set in a retro future. Xenozoic Xenophiles is about the comic Xenozoic Tales by writer and artist Mark Schultz. It's a post-apocalyptic adventure series filled with Cadillacs and dinosaurs. Warlord Worlds covers the many comics of writer and artist Mike Grell, including The Warlord, John Sable, Green Arrow, and The Legion of Superheroes. Sensational Sluice, where we talk about favorite mystery novels, movies, and TV shows. Fantastic Fantasies, where we share our favorite fantasy films and books. And Amazing Adventures, where we discuss action-packed adventure stories. Listen on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or visit RadAdventuresNetwork.com to find all of our shows and links to our social media pages. That's Rad, R-A-D, which is short for Ruth and Darren. Well, my name is Ryan Ashley. I am the Director of Operations here at Four Roses Distillery. And uh, I'm responsible for the day-to-day operation of the distillery. And that includes everything from the raw materials uh, being chosen and coming in to the distillate that leaves to go to our Cox's Creek uh, warehouse facility. What makes Four Roses uh, just different from other bourbon distilleries and so unique is first that we use two separate mash bills. We have two separate recipes. In addition to that, we have five proprietary yeast strains. So when you apply those different yeast strains to the different mash bills, uh, we create ten uniquely different bourbons. And those bourbons are cooked, fermented, distilled, and aged separately. So they really are ten distinctly different bourbons. The other part of that that makes us so unique and so different from any other bourbon distillery is the fact that we utilize single-story warehousing for our bourbons. So we get a much more consistent temperature throughout the year, meaning that the bourbons are going to age very consistently, very evenly, uh, and at the highest quality possible. 
Attention all personnel. New from the Fire and Water Podcast Network, it's MASHCAST. Hosted by MASH megafan Rob Kelly and a rotating cast of VIPs, MASHCAST analyzes episode by episode the greatest television series of all time, MASH. Find MASHCAST on fireandwaterpodcast.com. Jocularity, Jocularity. Fifteen years ago, today, you let us out of the darkness. You commanded the greatest rescue armada in history. Then, the unimaginable. What did that cost you? Your faith? Your faith in us? Your faith in yourself? Tell us, why did you leave Starfleet? meets up with a ghost from his past. Weren't you killed in a gunfight? I was only gut shot. I'm stronger now with less appetite. And runs into an old flame. There's a fire. I know. No, in the barn. The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. An all-new episode next Friday at 8, 7 central.